Today is Friday, April 16th. The title for our devotional is Prayer for Unity. We've seen the last couple of days Jesus' prayer for protection for his disciples and his prayer for their sanctification in the truth. Today we will see Jesus' prayer for unity. Jesus prays for unity both in the middle of his prayer for his disciples and later in his prayer for the believers after them. 11b of chapter 17 in John's Gospel says, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Then in verse 20, when he's praying for those who will believe the message of his disciples, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. It's hard to read this prayer without recognizing Jesus' emphasis on unity. Certainly, John would have remembered Jesus' emphasis in this prayer as unity in the church, early church was one of his and the other apostles' constant messages in their letters. Yet, Jesus' desire for unity were largely unheeded in the first century, as they still are today. Jesus grounds his prayer for the unity of the church in the unity of the Trinity. He prays for them to be one as he and the Father are one. The nature of the Trinity here is worth contemplating. John makes many statements as to the unity of essence between the Father and the Son. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 14.9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. John 8.58, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I could go on and on. This is one of the main themes in John's gospel. Yet, Jesus here is praying to the Father, and John 1 once says that he was with the Father. So they are different in person, one in essence. Any analogy that we would use to describe the Trinity ultimately fails and falls short of what scripture teaches. Some fall into heresy, but that's a rant for another day. So I will avoid any analogies to the Trinity here. As Jesus has already prayed in verse 5, the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit as well, but Jesus doesn't mention him here in verse 5, have existed together in perfect love for all eternity. Their relationship is and always has been one of perfect love, harmony, and unity. John would later write in one of his epistles, God is love. That's in 1 John 4, 8. Love is then the defining characteristic of the Trinity. Hence, why the apostles focused so much on how followers of Jesus were to love one another. When they do, they are acting like God and his fundamental characteristic of his Trinitarian relationship. This unity is defined by love and also a submission to the will of the Father and an acceptance of the Father's word. This Jesus modeled and taught perfectly in his earthly ministry. So this is the type of unity that Jesus calls his followers to. If you're wondering what this kind of love and obedience to the Father's word looks like, look no further than the life of Jesus. This is why we must get to know him through scripture and prayer. In this prayer, Jesus gives two reasons why they should be united. First, for the followers of Jesus to be, quote, in 
us, that is the Father and the Son. We see this in verse 21. This gets to the relationship idea we talked about last week, implied in the word know from verse 3. Believer's identity is in Christ, and therefore we are united to Christ, and therefore united also to the Father and the Spirit. When believers are acting in love for God and for one another, and obedience to the will of the Father, we find ourselves, that is, the true purpose of our human identity, is to be in relationship with God. Secondly, we are to be united for the purpose of mission. See that in verses 21 and 23. The world, that is, humanity in rebellion against God, should look at the unity of the church, that is, their love and obedience to God's word, and be drawn to God. I have to pause there, because that should cause us all pause. What's going on in the American church today feels like not this. We wonder why our culture is losing faith in the church. For the first time in American history, church attendance has dropped below 50%, down from 70% in the year 2000, and it shows no signs of slowing down. As followers of Jesus, we must own this and repent. We have failed in our communities to be united in love for one another and commitment to the word of God. In doing so, the church is failing to represent the unity and love of the Godhead. This is no small thing. For additional content, I've linked you to the Bible Project video on God in which they explore a little bit the nature of the Trinity. For reflection today, unity is no small thing to Jesus. In our unity, we are to love one another like the members of the Trinity love one another. In doing so, we are found to be identifying with Christ and the Godhead. We are to be united in our submission to the will and the word of the Father and the revelation of the Father that we find in Jesus. This, of course, is found in Scripture. So reflect on your commitment to love one another in the church. Does your love for others look like Jesus' love? Are you committed to submitting to the will of the Father in whatever you find in Scripture? Are you committed to living the type of life that Jesus revealed in his ministry and his teaching? Again, these are no small matters and at the heart of Christian unity.